Good morning, everyone. We do not have uh, Tristan or Andrea this morning, so you all get the pleasure of listening to me, which means you guys need to sing louder this morning. The louder you sing, the better it sounds. So let's go ahead and stand up, and we'll get ready to worship. Same. 
you're trying to fill the same old hole inside, there's a better life, there's a better life. If you got pain, he's a pain taker. If you feel lost, he's a way maker. If you need freedom, saving, he's a prison shaking savior. If you got change. This next one's a, a new one. Um, yeah, it's uh, All My Hope by uh, Dave Crowder. And uh, yeah. Go ahead. Bad. 
There we are. Welcome to Real Life. Uh, this is Real Life. So thanks for being here. If this is your first time with us this morning, welcome. Uh, this is our new band. Uh, what we call it? Three Beards and a Stash. Uh, so anyway, ladies, uh, we have 13 ladies to the uh, women's retreat this weekend. And so they're there coming back this afternoon. Um, so that's awesome. Hope they're having a good time. And you might ask Linda when she comes back next week. Uh, how she enjoyed the zip line. We have video, uh, so we can show you that sometime. Um, and uh, the video you just saw up there was uh, Real Men's First Service Project, and they've got a lot of stuff happening. So um, this coming Saturday is a, a one-day, part of a one-day conference in Wichita, and uh, it's called the Stand Conference. And if you are a dude, you're interested in maybe going to that. Uh, talk to Lance after the service. Um, we can get you registered and get you set up. Uh, pretty cheap to go, and I think it's like eight to three, something like that. But it'll be a, a real good time. Breakfast and lunch is included in that. So if you're a guy, you want to go talk to Lance after the service. Uh, and you can also find a link on our website, reallifecc.us. Just click on Real Men, and uh, you can find a page there that uh, gives you information on how to register for that. And then on the 9th and 10th of this month, the men are going to be camping out at the lake. And so we've rented a cabin out there this time so that I can sleep on a bed in the air conditioning or heat. I don't care whichever one I need. Uh, maybe I'll run them both at the same time. Um, but uh, we're there. I think we've got three other beds in that cabin. And then, of course, you're welcome to set up tent, uh, things like that. So... Um, you can find information about that online. Talk to Tracy after the service if you're interested in uh, coming for that. And we can work out getting people in and out if you don't have a park pass. Uh, we'll get that figured out. Um, steaks and potatoes for dinner on Friday night and uh, breakfast Saturday morning. So hope you can come out to that. It's going to be a good time. Um, anyway, thanks for being here this morning. And... Uh, it's just uh, it's exciting to be here and to be present. We're going to wrap up our As It Is in Heaven series this morning. So I'm really excited to share uh, that um, with you. And so we'll do that in just a minute. Uh, if you are a regular here at, at Real Life, or even if it's your first time, if you feel um, uh, nudged to give, we want to give you the opportunity. You saw the guys doing the service project yesterday at, at Real Life. Um, we give of our time and our talent and our treasure uh, to God as an opportunity to honor Him and to share uh, our love with Him and to others. And so um, we do that in a lot of different ways. we got folks serving in the nursery uh, over there, in kids' church over here each week. Uh, we had three new folks join us uh, for setup this morning. Remember I told you last week, Ray's getting ready to have knee surgery tomorrow. And uh, so we had a couple ladies uh, uh, come in and help us and uh, then another guy and we've got everything set up this morning. And so thank you to you for coming out this morning to help us do that. Um, we want to give you the opportunity, though, to give financially today. And so if you are present here with us in the room, we've got a bucket in the back. If you want to give cash or check that way, um, we call it our COVID safe uh, offering method. You can also uh, give online, reallifecc.us. Just click on the orange give icon on the bottom right-hand corner of any page that you find yourself on, 
and that'll lead you to a secure way to give. Uh, you can give debit, credit, checking account, whatever. Um, you can set that up recurring, uh, just do lots of things. And so if you're interested in giving that way, you can do that uh, online from your couch or your recliner, uh, or you can do that from here at the chairs uh, at Real Life. So uh, thanks for doing that. If God uh, nudges you to do that, we'd love to have you give to support the mission and ministry of what God's doing here in the Eldorado community and around the world as we help plant churches and uh, share with other things. And in fact, um, last Sunday, a uh, brand new church in, um, I don't even remember where it's, Independence, uh, Kansas, maybe, oh, uh, no, Altamont, I think. Uh, brand new church, Impact Christian Church, just started last week and uh, got a message from the pastor, Nick Grimm, from down there, uh, thanking us for giving them a whole bunch of our uh, sound equipment and cabling and a whole bunch of stuff so that they could uh, have sound for their very first morning at, at Impact. I think they had 70 people there. They had a baptism uh, and a whole bunch of first-timers. So um, we're helping plant the church uh, here in Kansas uh, and around the world. And so we are able to do that because you give. So if God leads you today, uh, do that in one of those two ways. All right, let me, let me pray. God, thanks for loving us and for giving us so many good things. Thanks for being with us always. And um, God, we just ask that you would continue to watch over us. Uh, we just thank you for loving us. Be with the ladies uh, at the retreat, the guys going to the conference this weekend, the camp out in a few weeks. God, would we just serve you and love you with everything that we have? God, would we continue to surrender our, our lives, our whole lives, um, not just our eternal life, but, but our daily lives and our finances, that we would just surrender everything to your son Jesus, that we would lay it there at the foot of the cross, the one who gave everything for us. God, we'd see you do amazing and incredible things so that your kingdom would come and we'd be able to see that. God, we thank you for uh, just the opportunity to come and worship today with our friends and our family here at Real Life. And uh, would you help us to spread that and, and expand the kingdom as we serve you uh, and surrender to you every day. God, thanks for being with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. How y'all doing? Good. So uh, I just wanted to say a little thing about uh, our communion talk today. I heard something really interesting the past week. Um, somebody told me that... Uh, when a crisis happens in your life, it's almost insulting that life doesn't stop. Um, have you ever been there? Like, yeah. If something happens and, you know, you still got to go to work, you still got to do your thing, you still got responsibilities and everything, right? So it's almost like it hurts that it doesn't just stop. But what's nice to know is that even when we're going through pain and we're going through things and we're going through things we can't control and life doesn't stop, Jesus will stop for you and he will give you the time you need. And especially in times like this when we can really take a moment and think about what Jesus has done for us on the cross in terms of the sacrifice. Um, taking a moment of reflection, even once, uh, once a week, like we're about to do now. Uh, 1 Corinthians 11, 23-26 says, For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That happened on the night he was betrayed, which he knew was going to happen. In the middle of crisis, Jesus stopped and said, Look, I care about you. 
and I want what's best for you, and I want you to remember me through what through, through this process of communion, which is what we're going to do even today, 2,000 years later, which is amazing to think about that this has is, this is withstood the test of time, that we still practice this. Uh, here at Real Life, we practice uh, Oba Communion, so there are tables set around the auditorium here, um, and feel free to this next song wherever you feel led or ready uh, to get up, and take a stranger, take a family member, invite someone to communion with you, pray with them. Dear God, thank you for this day you've given us. Thank you uh, for the wonderful weather you've provided for us today. And I pray that through whatever anybody in this room is going through, big or small, whatever it is, that you were able to reach out your hand through all the garbage and all the junk that's going on in all of our lives and reach through and say, hey, let's take a minute. Sit with me. Eat with me. Let's do something. Read your Bible. Listen to what I have to say to you. Um, if we all, sometimes all we have to do is just stop and listen, even when everything is going crazy. Uh, please keep us, you, in our thoughts <laughs> uh, as we go throughout this week.
are we there yet? Uh, or how about this one? How much longer? If you've got kids or you've ever traveled anywhere with three beards and a stash, you've heard that um, more times than you can remember. <laughs> it seems like, um, especially if you've been on social media at all, it seems like followers of Jesus have been asking this question a whole lot more lately. Are we there yet? We're in a climate in our world where the agenda matters more than the accuracy. Where my truth carries more weight than the actual truth. Where the color of skin seems to matter more than content or character. Where the narrative justifies the inconsistencies that exist. Let me give you an example from um, just this last week. Whether you uh, follow politics or, or not, you know that we lost uh, uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Whatever you think about her politics, uh, she as a person um, did some pretty incredible things. And right now there's a debate, right? Do we appoint another justice or not? In fact, I think a, a new justice was appointed. But, but this is what I find most interesting about that. That both political parties argue for the president putting in a justice at the lame duck session when they're the ones in charge. And they argue against it when they're not. Now, I don't know about you, but that's inconsistent. <laughs> that makes it feel like the balances are off balance, like the scale has been tipped. That, that as long as I get my way, it's okay, but if it's your way, um, no. So we find ourselves as believers asking God, are we there yet? Is it time? How long, Lord, will you allow us to, to burn our cities, to abandon our children, to walk away from our spouse, to, to shoot each other, to, to, to judge by color or gender, to murder our children? How long will you wait to bring justice and peace? And because God waits a little bit longer... The world claims that since God has the ultimate power to end hunger and hate and homelessness, and he hasn't, well, he must be responsible. Since God doesn't keep us from committing sin, he's actually the one sinning. Now, that's the narrative that, that people want to, to, to bring about. They say, if, if God has the power to stop us from doing these things, from sinning, if he has the, the power to end world hunger, if he has the power to end hate and, and homelessness and all of these things, and he chooses not to, well, then he's the evil one. The only problem with this line of thinking is that God has given us a plan, and he's given us the power, there we go, to end each and every problem we face in our world. The catch to this is that we don't like his plan, and so we don't access his power. So today, we're going to wrap up our As It Is in Heaven series by talking about the kingdom that's coming. 
before we get to that, though, um, would you like to know the plan uh, and the power to fix the problems that we have in this world? Like, it used to be a really big deal, but I can break it down for you really easy. Would you like to know the plan and the power? This is going to be good. Love God. Love others. And do that through the Holy Spirit. We make it into this big thing, but that really is, is the basic. If, if we want to know God's plan, God's plan for fixing all of the issues in the world is that we love him and we love other people. If each and every one of us in the whole world loved God and loved others, we wouldn't have hunger or hate or homelessness or any other words that start with H that you want to throw in there. Wouldn't have those things. And the only way that we're able to do that, to love God and to love others, is, is by the Holy Spirit working in us. And so if the world would follow this plan of Jesus, none of those issues would be issues at all. Now, it sounds like easy, right? You're like, oh, okay, whatever, preacher. <laughs> Following God's plan for our lives and, and living by the power that he gives us to accomplish his purpose. But what do we say when that doesn't work out? When, when we feel like in our lives that we're following the plan and we're functioning through the power of, of Holy Spirit and yet things still go wrong. We, we talked about that in the last series about the struggles that we face in our lives and how even though we're doing the right thing, even though we're following God and we're trying to live his way, that problems still happen and we still struggle. And so we have to ask this question, how could the kingdom of God have come into the world if the world is still so messed up? How could we be following God and how could we claim as believers that, 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 that the kingdom has come and that, that we're functioning, we're working in the kingdom if the world is still so messed up? Well, the reason for this is our bottom line today and really probably the bottom line for the whole series, and it's this, that the kingdom of God has come, but it's not complete. It's come, but it's not complete. Maybe it would be easy to think about it this way, maybe easier to think about it this way. If you've ever been engaged to someone to be married, right? Your new relationship, it's come, but it's not complete. You haven't actually been married yet. The, the state or whoever hasn't given their seal of approval on your marriage, but you function in your life as though you're married, right? I mean, that's the idea. Once you get to that stage in your relationship where you ask somebody to marry you, you're like, uh, I'm off limits to everybody else. My lifestyle has to change when I have this change in the position or the situation of my relationship. And so as a relationship, when we get engaged, the relationship is, has come, but it's not yet complete. And the same thing for the kingdom. The reason world is messed up is because the kingdom isn't complete even though it's come. And so we can say with prophets like Micah and Isaiah and the disciple Stephen and the apostle John, we can say, I saw the Lord seated on the throne even though the kingdom isn't yet complete. And that's the process we're going to work through today as we talk about the kingdom that's coming. Let's pray. 
God, I want to thank you for being present with us and, and, and thank you that your kingdom came through your son, Jesus Christ. And I thank you that, that, that we've been functioning now in this new kingdom and we have the power of the Holy Spirit uh, working in our lives and, and helping us to live like people of the kingdom, surrendered to your will and your way. But God, the world is still messed up. We still don't, don't see things the way that we all wish they were. And there's problems and there's, and there's struggles and there's difficulties and, and there's people fighting each other over the most ridiculous things. And so we try to have this, this hope and this faith, like believe that the kingdom came. Yet we recognize that it's not yet complete. And so God, as we... Make our way through every day of our, our lives. Would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear? Eyes to see where you're working. Ears to, to hear the, the hurt and the pain in other people's lives so that we can step in and bring the rule and reign of your son Jesus into that moment. And then God, would we clearly be able to see when you begin to bring the kingdom coming? Because we don't want to miss it. Help us to see that, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as followers of Jesus, we live a both and existence. Right? As people of faith, we live a both and existence. There are, there are things that are happening that function our lives, and we go, um, we don't, that's like, we don't really like that, and yet it can be true. Like, look, we can, we can love God and we can sin. We, we can have the desire to live a righteous life and to do what God wants us to and we can mess up and, and, and blow it sometimes. We live a both and existence. Jesus has both come to set up the kingdom of his Father and that kingdom is not yet complete. It's both and. The kingdom of God involves two phases, the, the coming in humility of, of Jesus and the coming in power. And it involves two realms, the present realm where we live and, and work and, and play each day and where each and every person all over the world and, and since the beginning of humanity has the opportunity to accept or reject the king and his kingdom. We also live in the realm of the future, the spirit realm, where the power of God is on his throne and that the kingdom is, is coming and one day it will be unveiled and, and, and God's rule and reign will be complete and, and, and he will be forever with his creation. A time when God will dwell physically among his people where he will wipe away every tear where there will be no more death or, or crying or pain because the old order of things will have passed away. And on that day, the Bible says that, that God will declare from his throne, I am making everything new. Since the first sin of Adam and Eve, we have cried out for this moment. We have waited and we have hoped and we have dreamed for this moment. When the world that is and the world that's to come will be in perfect unity.
Until then, we live in the now while we long for what's next. As followers of Jesus, we live in this real world, right? Where we face real world problems and issues and, and, and struggles. And we know that, that God is on the throne and, and yet that rule hasn't been complete. And so everything isn't like it's supposed to be. So we live in this messed up and, and crazy and, and ridiculous world. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring this up, but let me give you a really ridiculous example. Maybe you've seen this, uh, this meme or, or whatever. Um, you know, I think it was last year or the year before. Uh, I, I don't know. Does anybody else listen to B98 uh, after Thanksgiving, between Thanksgiving and Christmas? They just play Christmas music like all the time, right? 24-7. You want Christmas music, you just go there and get your fill of Christmas music for that, for that month. But if you notice, um, last year there was this big push. I think it was last year, big push to get... Um, that, uh, that one song taken off, that Christmas song, uh, Baby is Cold Outside. You remember that one? It's an old time, old like Christmas song, been around for a long time. There was a big push to get that taken off the radio. And I kind of understood it, right? It's a, it's, a, it's a little bit like this guy is kind of trying to force this lady to stay. Look, it's cold outside and it's rainy and it's gross and don't go. And, and so there was some concern like, hey, are we perpetuating this thing where, where, where men can force women to do things. And, and I'm like, yeah, I kind of I see that. You know, it's like this song's been around for a long time, and maybe it was written by a creep. I don't know. Um, but it's like this Christmas song. There's always this gets played, and, and I sing it to my wife. And then I'm going to get emails and letters from people about how I shouldn't do that. But we're married. It's okay. Anyway, uh, this year... If you have paid attention, um, I actually, I saw this a few times, um, and I didn't know what it was. I didn't know what the fuss was about, and so I, I looked up the lyrics to this song. Um, I'm just going to mention the, the artist, uh, Cardi B. Uh, I went there and looked, and I was like, oh my goodness, made the preacher blush. Um, I'm like, what is going on in our world? Where we can look at a song that's been sung for 40 or 50 years at Christmas and we go, that's bad. Woo, this song is great. Let me just, don't go, don't go look up this song or listen to it on the radio. And if you're a parent, I, I would, okay, I'm going to give some, I'm just feeling weird because my wife has been away for a couple days. And so this is what you get when she's gone every year. Um, so, uh, so I remember being in high school, and there was a singer, George Michael. Anybody remember George Michael? Yeah. There was a singer, George Michael, and um, he had a song out, and uh, this is gonna, I'm going to get in trouble for this, but there was a song out called I Want Your Sex. If you're back from the 80s, like, you probably, you remember that um, song. And I remember in, in high school, like, whoo, that's a great song. That song is G-rated compared to what's being played now. <laughs> like, whoo, like, no, okay, so, like, I, <laughs> I, if my parents heard me singing to George Michael on the radio, I probably would have been in trouble, right? My dad was a preacher. Um, but I'm going to tell you, like, I'm not, like, I'm not a, I'm not a mean and cruel guy, but if you're a parent and your child is listening to Cardi B, I would burn that crap like, I, will, I don't care that you paid whatever money. Like, th like, that is nasty stuff. Nasty. 
But it does prove a point that we live in this nasty now. As followers of Jesus, we live in this world that like we don't fit in. And the Bible says that we're actually to live like strangers and aliens in the world. And, and when we see things like that, that the, that the world is saying okay and are celebrating that kind, of, that kind of entertainment or whatever they call it today. The world is celebrating that stuff. And we go, I, I don't think I fit in with the world. Like I don't think that that's right. And, and and I'm uncomfortable here. And so we live in the now, but we long for what's next when, when we don't have to deal with that stuff anymore. In week one of this series, we looked at Matthew chapter 4, verse 17, where, where Matthew says that Jesus began at this point, early on in his ministry, he began preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God has come near. And, and later Jesus said to the religious leaders, God's kingdom has already come to you. It's already here. And so we know that we're not waiting for God's kingdom to come, but we're working in it right now. And so when we see death and destruction and pain around us, it's easy for us to wonder, where is your kingdom? God, if your kingdom has come, where is it? How come we don't see it? But we're told in Scripture that we're to walk by faith and not by sight. And, and as we walk by that faith, we're to recognize that while we may not see God's rule and reign perfectly, when we as followers of God walk in God's ways, we're making the kingdom present in our world. Last week, we looked at three stories centered around Jesus welcoming people into his kingdom. People who had been rejected by their own kingdom, by the worldly kingdom. And we learned that when we live like Jesus, when we engage people based on their humanity and not by their hang-ups and their habits or their history, then we're bringing Jesus' reign into our reality. We're making present the kingdom of God in our relationships, and by that, we're growing the kingdom. After the worldwide flood of Noah's day, God made this declaration in Genesis. He said, as long as the earth remains, there will be planting and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night. And we may not see the throne of God with our eyes, but the very fact that we're still here and that the earth remains means that God hasn't forsaken that promise that he made so many years ago. The kingdom of God is consistent in our lives because the king is in control and it continues through our actions, attitudes, and words as followers of Jesus, as people who've surrendered their lives to the kingdom. So today, I want to look at what John has to say about the kingdom that's coming. John was an apostle of Jesus. He was one of the, the three that were closest to Jesus, probably one of Jesus' best friends. He also wrote the last letter that we find in the Bible, the book of Revelation. It's the last uh, chronological book that was written that becomes a part of the Bible. It was written about 60 years, 65 years after the resurrection of Jesus. John had been exiled on the island of Patmos, 
by, uh, during the uh, Domitian's violent persecution of the Christians in the entire Asian Empire. And so John, the Revelation says, wrote what he saw in a vision. And he wrote these things down so that the early Christians would know what to expect from the future. And also to give them encouragement for the persecution that they were and would face. And really, John was asking and answering two important questions. He was asking and answering the question, who's in charge? The answer obviously is God. And who will ultimately win? Again, God. You've got to understand the context that John was writing the book of Revelation. And okay, again, over the world, the, the whole world basically, Christians were being persecuted because of their faith. If you believe in Jesus, jail, prison. We're going to take away every worldly possession that you have. Imagine somebody coming to your door, knocking on your door, saying, do you believe in Jesus? And you saying yes, and then forcibly taking your home and your vehicles and your bank accounts and seizing all of your assets and taking everything from you because of your faith in Jesus. That's what was going on in the world when John wrote Revelation. And he wrote it to be an encouragement to the believers of that day so that they would not lose heart in their faith because of what was happening to them. And near the end of the book of Revelation, in chapter 21, verse 1, John writes this. He says, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had disappeared, and so had the sea. Now you've got to understand that in the the context of the world that the people were living in that day, this idea that a new heaven and a new earth was coming was amazing to them. Because of the incredible persecution that they were under, they couldn't wait for that day. John tells us in this, in this verse that the heaven and earth had disappeared along with the sea. Now in ancient writing, when the sea is talked about, whenever you see the, the sea, like, like here, it's weird that he would point out the sea. I mean, the sea is part of the earth, right? So why would he mention that? Well, it's because in ancient writing, the sea was a metaphor for everything evil and bad and, and all chaos, the sea, because it was so huge, and they didn't, under, like, they didn't have it charted, they couldn't see it from the sky, they didn't understand what was going on, and people who left in boats on the sea often never returned. So it was scary, it was unpredictable, it was unknown. And so when you read about the sea in the Bible, especially in Old Testament stuff, you understand that the, the sea was evil, bad, chaos. It represented this big evil thing that the people didn't understand and they couldn't, they couldn't get a hold of. And so John says, the first earth had disappeared, and, and really he's saying, so had evil. He's saying, look, there's nothing unknown anymore. There's nothing scary anymore. This, all of that stuff passed away. John is telling his readers that the way things have been, the evil and the chaos present in our existence today, they're going to give way to something new, but not something unknown. It will be a new heaven and a new earth that will be similar, but not the same. Since the time of Adam and Eve, the world has been plunged into darkness, evil, and sin, but it has never been out of God's control. And so the Bible 
at least in part, is the story of how God wanted it, right? You go back to Genesis, Adam and Eve in the garden, everything is perfect. The story of how God wanted it, how we wrecked it by sin, and how he's going to write it. And so this is what we see. If you want to know the the Bible in a nutshell, here it is. The Bible starts with the story of how God wanted it in Genesis. Perfect. Everything is perfect and in balance. And people are doing what he says. And they're walking with him. I I love the imagery of of Genesis chapter 2, I think it is. Maybe the beginning of, uh, I think it's the end of 2. Where it says that Adam and Eve walked with God in the cool of the day. They had this conversation, this nightly conversation with God. How was your day? What was going on? And there's this intimate relationship between Adam and Eve and and God. And that's how God wanted it. And then sin came, right? And and we wrecked it. And so from about Genesis chapter 3 all the way through the revelation, it is about how we wrecked it. Like Like we blew it. We messed up, and we continue to mess up. We continue to sin. Even though we follow God, then we sin, and we're not perfect people. And we we keep trying to get back to the way God wanted it, but every way that we try, everything that we try to do, it doesn't end up well. We can't get there on our own. And in the end, we find out how God is going to, to write it, how he's going to put it back together, how through Jesus and his uh, death and burial and resurrection, how he paid for our sin and how he makes us new and how through Jesus we can, we can have the power, we can be pure, we can be righteous and spotless and can stand before God. So I want to look at some comparisons of the kingdom that has come and the one that is coming this morning. The first kingdom that um, came, we talked about this last week, uh, two weeks ago, the kingdom came, the first kingdom that, that came was a kingdom of freedom. Okay, God never forced anyone to follow him or to love him. He gives each and every person the opportunity to accept him or reject him, um, and, and it's a kingdom of choice. This world, we have freedom. We can do what we want to do. We can choose to follow God or we can choose not to follow God. We can choose to get up and come to church or we can choose to stay in bed or go to the golf course before the weather gets bad. We, can, we have total freedom to do what we want. But the kingdom that is coming will be a kingdom of fulfillment. It's going to be different. While God has never forced anyone to follow him, he has made it clear that those who reject his rule and reign in this kingdom will have no part in the coming kingdom. It's a kingdom of fulfillment. It's fulfilling the promises of God. Our freedom to choose our own path leads to a fulfillment of God's promises, either to blessing or to banishment. Those who accept him will receive eternal life and be in his presence, and those who reject him, eternal separation from his presence. The kingdom that came is a kingdom of benevolence, where God gives to us, and he blesses us, and he watches over us, and he gives us good things, and, and we receive good things in the Bible. In fact, we're told in Scripture that all good things come from God. God acts towards us with this unending benevolence. He's always working towards our best, whether that's blessing or discipline. He's good to us all, not just followers of Jesus. In fact, we know the sun rises and it shines on the righteous and the unrighteous, and the rain falls on the good and the bad. And so we have a kingdom of benevolence where God acts on our behalf and blesses us. 
But the kingdom that's coming is going to be a kingdom of birthright. We're not going to receive just benevolence, just good things from God. We're going to be his children. That means that everything that he owns, we own. That all of the goodness of God is going to exist with us. We're going to be in his presence. We're going to be his children. God's not just going to act on our good behalf. We're going to have every good thing that comes from our Father. The kingdom that came is a finite kingdom. It will one day reach its end. God never intended to leave things the way they are. And that God has set a date in time that we are rapidly moving toward. And at that time, his kingdom rule will not change. But our kingdom reality will. Our earthly kingdom is passing away. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 7, 29-31 this. The time is short, he said. This was 2,000 years ago, okay. The time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. Those who mourn as if they did not. Those who are happy as if they were not. Those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep. Those who use the things of this world as if they were not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. This kingdom that came is finite. This world and the things that we see are not going to last forever. And that's why the Bible says, don't put your hope in things that that rust and and moths and time are going to destroy. But put your hope in things that are going to last forever. Because that's the kingdom coming. It's a forever kingdom. It's a forever kingdom. There will be peace and joy and love that will exist for all time. And God will be present with his people forever. The writer of the book of Hebrews wrote this, beginning you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish. The heavens and earth, they will perish, but you remain. They will wear out like a garment, but you remain the same and your years will never end. The kingdom coming is a kingdom that is forever. The kingdom that came is a kingdom based in humility. Jesus inaugurated the kingdom with his life, but it wasn't what anyone expected. Jesus did not come as a king. He came as a kid. He came in weakness, born as a baby. He lived in obscurity with no land or title or position. And that's why nobody could understand that he was a king. You didn't come as a king. You didn't present yourself as a king. You don't look like a king. You must not be a king. And then he allowed himself to be killed as a common criminal. If you remember, the last moments of Jesus on the cross where the religious leaders stood at the feet of the cross and they said, if you are the Son of God, do what? Come down off the cross. In their mind, the king would not allow himself to be killed. But he was killed as a common criminal, none of which was expected. The first kingdom that came, came in humility, but the kingdom that's coming is going to be a kingdom of honor. When Jesus returns, it will be a different story. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11, we read this. Here's how Paul um, puts it. He says, at the name of Jesus, everyone will bow down. Those in heaven and on the earth and under the earth, that's those who've died, by the way, been buried, 
um, under the earth, and, uh, and the, to the glory of God the Father, everyone will openly agree Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus inaugurated the kingdom of God with little fanfare. Those who surrender to Jesus, rule and reign, live right alongside those who reject it now, right? I mean, we look the same, and, and from the outside, we look like everybody else. But one day, the kingdom coming will usher in our real lives and reveal a new reality. And so the kingdom that was begun in humility will be proclaimed with honor and a mighty display of God's power and glory. And when that happens, everyone will bow, but not everyone will belong. Matthew 7, 21 says this, Not everyone who calls me their Lord will get into the kingdom of heaven. Only those who obey my Father in heaven will get in. With every passing day, the coming kingdom gets closer to becoming our reality. But not everyone who believes will also belong. Jesus makes it clear that in order to be welcome into the kingdom coming, we have to live now as though what's next is our reality. And so it's not just about believing, it's about surrendering to the king so that we live our lives now as though what's next is our reality, as though the kingdom that is coming is real and it's going to come. You and I bring the rule and reign of Jesus into our reality when we live by kingdom principles. What are kingdom principles? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Even though we function in the kingdom that came, we must live as though we're children of the kingdom that's coming. And so our challenge each and every day is to live like Jesus is the king and that he's coming soon. Paul tells us in Philippians 2.12 not just to practice our faith, but to perfect it in every part of our lives in order to bring the rule and reign of Jesus into our relationships. Even though we function in the kingdom that came, we must live as though we're children of the kingdom that's coming. In this way, we can live in the kingdom that came as though it's already complete. As though we see the end result. As though God really is on the throne. And, and, and that when he says this is the way things are, that that's really the way things are. And so you and I, in our daily lives, when, when God says those who give, get more, and, and, and I'm going to bless that moment, and we go, okay, you're on the throne, and, and that's what you say, that's what I'm going to do. And that you want me to love my enemies and pray for those who persecute me and forgive like you've forgiven me. I'm going to do those things, not because they make sense to me, but because you've said to do them. Because I'm going to live my life as though your kingdom is complete. Because one day it will be. And so the question is, are you ready for the kingdom that's coming? Paul wrote that the basic criteria for joining the kingdom of God is to be 
present. I think that's cool. He said in Romans 10, 13, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. And I want you to know that, that recognize and notice that, that Paul didn't qualify this statement. He didn't say that you have to be perfect. He just indicated that you have to be present. If you call on the name of the, the Lord by surrendering to his kingdom rule, you will belong to the new kingdom, the coming kingdom. And so today, if you've never surrendered to Jesus, we want to invite you to take that step this morning. Whether you're joining us here in, in person or online, we want to know what God is doing in your life. We want to know that you're going to be a part of the kingdom that's coming. And so here's what we want you to do. If you're here in the room today, when the service is over in a few minutes, if you need to surrender to Jesus and you want to make sure that you're a part of the kingdom that's coming, we just want you to stop in the back at the Connection Hub. Somebody back there will, will help you through the process and, and, and will take you through that and, and what you need to do and be in contact with you about being a part of that kingdom. And if you're unsure about doing that, you're like, well, I don't know and I want to think about it, whatever, you can go to reallifecc.us, click on the Next Steps link, and then on I'm Ready, and you can fill out that form. There's some information there about, about surrendering to Jesus, about rededicating your life, uh, um, about following him or being baptized. And just fill out that short form because we want to know. If you're joining us online, you can either go to reallifecc.us. If you're watching it live.reallifecc.us, you can click on the Next Steps button at the top or click on the blue Raise Hand button that will show up in the chat window this morning and somebody will be there to chat with you. One of our hosts will be there. But we want to know that the kingdom is expanding and growing. If you've never surrendered to Jesus, we want you to take that step today. If you've already surrendered to Jesus, Maybe you've been a Christian follower of Christ for a long time and, and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all in, but you haven't been living as though God is on the throne. There's a step we want you to take. Sometimes we, we got to take that step. We got to kind of make a mark in the sand and say, okay, here it is. I'm starting again. And so you can go to reallifecc.us, click on the next steps, and, and I'm ready, and just say that you're rededicating your life. You can do that back at the Connection Hub as well. We want to know that. We want to celebrate that with you. We want to give you the help that you need to get back onto the right track. As followers of Jesus and members of his kingdom, our goal is to make the kingdom of God present in the world, just as present in this world as it is in heaven, so that everyone who bows will also belong. Let's pray. God, thank you for this kingdom that you have given us, this kingdom of hope, this kingdom of faith, and this kingdom of love. In fact, your word says that these three are the most important, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love because when the kingdom comes, we're not going to need faith and hope anymore. We're going to have the assurance of what we haven't seen up to that point. We're going to be standing in your presence. And God, we want every person possible to be there with us. 
To not just bow and say Jesus is Lord, but to belong to your kingdom and be excited for that day. I'm not afraid of it. We want to help every person possible find real life in your son Jesus and look more like him every day. And God, we do that when we bring the rule and reign of of your son Jesus into our reality. When we live today like the kingdom is complete. God, this week, as we go about our lives, would we keep that in the back of our minds? And, and would we function as though this thing we claim, this faith that we claim, is not just, it's, it's not just this thing that we believe, but it's what we actually put into practice. This actually a part of our lives, that we perfect it in our lives as, as we strive to look more like your son. And so our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed and honored, would your name be? Would your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven? Hey, the guys are going to do our last song, but I want you to stick around because we got a video teasing our brand new series that's going to start next week, and we're going to watch that right after this song. All right, we're going to do All My Hope again. Um, I really like this song. It was kind of a gospel worship song Crowder did, and it really does a good job of putting in perspective the things we should keep our hope in. Um, mainly being Jesus, and not, uh, I think that in the core he said, all my hope is in Jesus, thank God my yesterday is gone. And I think that really speaks to a lot of people as far as not dwelling on the things in life that keep you from, from Jesus and God, um, and really focusing on what God's done for us to um, atone for our sins, basically, and, and cover our sins. So, yeah.
never be the same That's why I sing No, my hope is in Jesus Thank God my yesterday's gone No, my sins are forgiven Sins are 